And we are live. Welcome back, everybody. Heat Race Show Live. And we're just going to call this episode one because we've been on a break and we're rebranding a little bit. We're just going live. Uh, I'm your host, Tony Six Alcatillo. And the last time you heard from me on this show was in May. And the last guest we had on this show was Mr. Mark Farzetta of the Farzetta Show. And like I said, I know he loves the compliments. I know he loves them, but only one place to listen on Philly Sports Radio in the morning from 6 to 7. And that is the Farzetta Show, specifically on YouTube. So, Mark, thanks for joining me, buddy. How are you? Oh, is that it for compliments? You're yeah, I, well, well, I, you know, I can keep going, but then we'll be here all night. So, right, right. No, yeah, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me back on. Welcome back to, uh, to I guess, your new season, episode one, your new season. Really nice of your boys, uh, Mark and uh, and Googs, to be on here with you and be working as hard as you and, you know, not taking vacation and I'm being back. You. This is these guys, man. They grind, they grind. What's I'm up, Mark? You. What's up, Googs? Yeah, like where are they at, man? Like they're <laughs> killing me. Like they just disappeared. But no, no, <laughs> enjoy your time off, fellas. It's it's. Uh, thanks for coming on. Whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll hold it down for him as much <laughs> as we can, right? We'll hold it down for him. But as yeah. always, brought to you by Rise America Media, our sponsors, Prime Roofing and Blue Flame HVAC. So. Let's just get right into this because I, I have a lot to say. It's been a while. Um, I'll probably, after after Mark goes and has his cup of coffee, watch the All-Star game, I'll probably be talking for another 45 minutes because that's what I do. But let's go right into the news that came out today. And as much as I'll be all, all fair, I was like, how oh, do we want to talk Sixers? And Mark's like, listen, man, news <laughs> broke. You got to stick to it. I get it. I know. It's just been so exhausting and tiring, especially because I said he shouldn't be here anyway. And we're talking about three years ago. It's come to fruition. But that's here nor there mark number one we look at the 76ers number one seed uh you know everybody last show we had we were talking about them clinching the number one seed on this show now the thing i have to ask is number one they were a major disappointment because they didn't get past where we thought they should go and right. number two what surprised you most and i mean good or bad it doesn't matter it could be good could be big could be both from this team this year all right let's start off on a, on a good note um Actually, screw that. Let's start off what we should start off with, which was the disappointing thing. We'll end on the good note so that it's not all doom and gloom, my friend. Here's where we'll go. The the, uh, the the bad was obviously what everyone's been talking about for the last month and a half, it seems like, already. Ben Simmons. I can't remember a time I was that disappointed in an athlete in Philadelphia. Maybe Donovan Yakin in the Super Bowl was the last time, Ooh. but like, still Donovan was out there. Donovan threw a couple touchdowns. But, like Donovan tried. In the big moment, Ben Simmons just evaporated. He went away. Like that, like didn't like he barely existed, unfortunately. And although he kept Trey Young's shot totals high and his points low for what the shot titles uh, uh, totals were, there's still he still allowed a lot of points. I mean, bottom line is he still allowed a lot of points. So when I really look at that series, the most disappointing thing is if you tell me this one thing changes and the Sixers are in the finals, it's it comes down to Ben Simmons. You get Ben Simmons at least playing as he did in the regular season. You're talking about a team that's in the NBA Finals. Maybe they don't knock off the, the 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 Hawks in five games or even six games. Maybe they at least win that game seven there. But you're still talking about them advancing past a point they haven't been past since the process began, as we talked about all those months ago. So for me with Ben, that's the most disappointing thing. It was the most surprising thing that he uh, disappeared in the capacity that he did, that he just flat out played scared, and that he just looked, offensively speaking, looked like he gave up. He just wanted nothing to do with being the guy in that moment. And hey, I hate bringing up players' money, but when there's a salary cap involved and you're paid a certain amount of money, guess what? Part of your job, no matter how you might define your job, is carrying your basketball team. And he had a moment there to tie the game with 330 left, and he opted to dish it off to a sophomore player, if you will, in Matisse Thibel, uh, and and just cowered from the moment. His teammate called him out on the court when uh, Joel Embiid threw his hands up in the air. Same thing as Seth Curry and his teammate and Joel Embiid called him out after the game in his post-game press conference saying that that was the turning point of the game. That, to me, is the most surprising, the most disappointing thing about the Sixers. And on, and on a positive note here for you, Tony, <laughs> uh, I really like that Tyrese Maxey. The end. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Now, what I will say is because Danny Green doesn't agree with us because we're too hard on our players, like he says. But Oh, Danny I, Green is so right. unbelievably wrong. Like, speaking of a guy, like, just real quick on that. All right, now you put the damn quarter in that machine. So <laughs> da Danny Green comes out, and, and now let's just keep in mind, Danny Green is a three-time NBA champion, all right? Danny Green uh, was coming off back-to-back -back, uh, NBA championships, Larry O'Brien trophies. 
Who the hell is he to tell a fan base that hasn't won Jack since uh, 1983 how to feel about their players? And if anything, Philadelphia has done a lot, I feel, to shed that we run guys out of town argument. Carson Wentz was run out of town, uh, run out of town by his own organization. Yet people will try to throw that at us. Ben Simmons is not going to get run out of town by Philadelphia. If anything, we've been wildly patient with him. Uh, even going back to the days of Pat Burrell hitting around 200 after he signed a big contract and dyed his and bleached his hair blonde, Philadelphia still still cheered him through that season back in 2002, I believe it was. So we have shown that we are patient with players. We have shown that we have tried to support players. The running out of town nonsense crap is a thing of 40 years ago. I don't even want to hear that anymore. So whatever Danny Green had to say came from a very bad place simply because he is coming from a position of privilege in the NBA and success where we're at a position of wanting. And well, anytime someone who has just won three championships tells someone without it, ah, you need to relax. You can back the hell off. Uh, I, it could have been better said, man. I'm telling you, I, position of privilege. I love that phrase. I mean, I'm gonna. Well, you should brand that, Mister Farza. Let me tell you. Put it on a T-shirt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like it. I and like then I'll it. Be, uh, then I'll be in a position of privilege. <laughs> yes, but you're 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 so damn right. And you know, Danny Green didn't have to live through the trials and tribulations of the Philadelphia 76ers, of their Spencer Halls and the Tony Rotens and the Charles Shacklefords of the world, right? He didn't have to live through that, right? We did. Yeah. No, exactly. And then the other thing is, if you pick any other fan base throughout the country, and there are people that have thrown comparisons at the process, like people always talk about how the Golden State Warriors lost for so many years. The Golden State Warriors didn't win 10 games. They didn't win 19 games. They didn't win 18 games. I don't even think they won less than 20 or 25 games throughout their entire rebuilding process. But the Sixers did. And you know what happened to the fan base during that time? Tony, you know what happened to that fan base? Did they run away? Did they demand the team be sold to another market? Did they demand the, did they demand the team to move? No, they didn't do that at all. What did they do? The fan base grew. And not only did they grow, they grew more passionate. And they also grew more loyal. Because a lot of people understood what Sam Hankey was doing. And whether you were on board as a Hankeyite or just someone that understood. I, I'm not a hanky guy. There is never one individual person in the front office or wherever that will exceed the overall my overall love for the team. I do root for laundry, and that's what I do. But when it comes to the 76ers and what they did under Sam Hickey, they needed to get out of the basketball purgatory. They traded Drew Holiday. They started the process. I was on board for three years. And then in year four, that's when he had everything hit the fan with the Colangelo family. And man, you talk about any general manager that came in here with those bargaining chips, anybody would want those chips, those assets, as Hickey used to call them. And now, after all that, this is where we are. Still a team that can't get out of the second round of the playoffs, Tony. I, listen, that's the most surprising thing to me. Just, you know, and again, like, Danny Green's so disconnected because we can watch videos of the fans actually trying to pump up Ben at the foul line, showing him how to shoot, standing on edge, just hoping that he hits it, saying, give him yeah. a pat on the back. Nobody was killing Ben Simmons. We were behind Ben Simmons. It was yeah. that moment, like you said, that moment where, again, I hate to say it, he buys in to that Ben loves Ben mentality. Ben is L.A. Simple as that. He That's who he is. He's an L.A. personality. Joel was Philly. Simple as that. Joel, listen, he sat there and he sulked on that game because he felt it. He felt the loss. Ben, what did he do? Well, we know. So went to Wimbledon and had fun. Not saying he can't have a good life, right? I, you know, listen, power to him, man. I seen who he was sitting with. All I'm saying is, you know, maybe you should have thought about a little bit. You should have been so much out public acting like, you know, it is what it is. But I, I just hope, uh, look, I don't, I, I hope no one gets caught up in the offseason stuff with Ben Simmons because the only thing that's going to matter to me is what he does during the regular season. And then on top of that, only thing that matters is what's going to happen in the postseason because once you cower in the moment that he cowered in, there's no making up for it with, no. you know, topless photos of yourself shooting jump shots, not being guarded by anybody. I don't, I haven't given a damn about any of that for the last three years. Like when he first started out, he was out of LSU. And then obviously his rookie season, he was hurt. All I wanted to see was that he was healthy and he was working on his game. Cool. Now I don't care. I just give a damn about what happens when he comes back for the regular season. And hopefully ultimately what happens for the playoffs. So the question is, which I think we all know about, he's not coming back here. I think if you're completely misguided, if you think he's going to be in a Philadelphia 76ers uniform next year, just can't happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and the reason why Mark is, see if you agree is now 
all the whispers we knew. When you just hear whispers, but then when Shams comes out today and says they're absolutely listening to all, now it's done. You've already, you've killed any relationship you had. So he's not going anywhere. What do you expect to get back for Ben Simmons? Do you expect us to be blown away? Do you expect us to get one of those Charles Barkley head scratcher for like Jeff Hornacek and Tim Perry? Like what? Like, I hope we don't see that, right? But what, what do you expect with this whole Ben Simmons saga? First off, random, uh, the first Sixer game I ever went to was to watch the 76ers led by Jeff Hornacek and yes. Clarence Weatherspoon. Spoon! Uh, and then I think like the next day, Spoon got traded. I think that's when it was. But anyway, um, I, uh, yeah, I love, I, I will always love Jeff Hornacek and Clarence Weatherspoon for those reasons. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, here's where I'll disagree with you, my friend. Okay. Uh, if you're not giving me a Dame Lillard, if you're giving me, and I saw this report come out today, I think it was Mark Stein that had it, saying that the Sixers, they just want Dame Lillard. And that's pretty much it. That's the laser focus that Daryl Morey has right now. I'm on board with that because here's what I thoroughly believe you have in Ben Simmons. Think about this for a second. Ben Simmons is a pretty damn good defender. Ben Simmons is the second best defender in the NBA, according to the – I think he was the best defender in the NBA. I agree. Uh, but uh, to say that a guy that doesn't protect the perimeter in Rudy Gobert only protects around the rim is the defensive player of the year ridiculous. in a league that is just three as three happy as this league is now, I think is just ridiculous and a hypocrisy. Uh, but I think he's this good as a defender. Let's say he's at least a top three defender in the NBA in any given year. Uh, let's say that he's already a three-time All-Star. He has done all that while being terrified to shoot a basketball, and he's done all that while shooting around 65% on average from the free throw line. That's pretty damn good. Think about that. He's that great at everything else where a guy who plays basketball doesn't shoot and still becomes a three-time All-Star and Defensive Player of the Year candidate, at least. And he even received an MVP vote. So that's a pretty damn good player. So if Ben does work on his game in the offseason and does all the things that Doc River talked about going into the offseason, about how we got a plan in place to get him on a good regiment and we're going to make things happen and all that, then you are you know what you have? You know what you're trading away if all that does come to fruition? You're trading away a guy who is a legit MVP candidate, not just a legit defensive player of the year candidate, but a guy that could be an MVP. You watch Giannis Antetokounmpo in these playoffs, right? And you see a guy that is at least willing to shoot. You see a guy that's at least willing to shoot a three. You see a guy that is streaky from the foul line. But I believe just the other night, I think his last game, he was thir game three, he was uh, 13 to 17 or 13 to 18 or something like yep. that. Yep. You mean to tell me Ben Simmons can't work on his game a little bit more and get to just that point where he's a willing shooter and a 70%, 75% free throw shooter? If he does, you're talking about trading away an MVP candidate. So. When you open up the, the books here and you say, all right, look, uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers are willing to go Dame Lillard. You know what I say? The cupboard's open. Whatever you'd like. Anything, anybody in here not named Joel Embiid, take what you like. That's for Dame Lillard. CJ McCollum, Zach Levine, whoever else, whoever else it might be. I'll be like, all right, let's kick the tires. Let's have a conversation. But there's no other slam dunk deal available right now that's being rumored that I am all on board for other than the Dame Lillard deal. Now, I love Dame, but what I will say is, I honestly think, I think people are overlooking the CJ McCollum factor. I really do because I think you have to look at it at what you're losing and what you're gaining, right? Mm -hmm. Over the last three years, 23, 24, 25 points per game, right? The guy shoots 42% from the field, 39% from three. He creates his own shot. He is a, he's a legit scorer Absolutely. any day of the week. So if you insert CJ McCollum into this team and extract Ben Simmons, you're instantly five wins better. Instantly, in my opinion. So, mm. I, right, especially on the offensive side. Now, I get everybody's going to say the defensive side of the ball, right? Yeah. I understand that, right? But we still do have a guy who's tearing it up in the Olympics and Matisse Thibault. You don't have to have a superstar that's an elite defender. We, you know, Bruce Bowen was an elite defender, right? Sure. And, yeah. uh, but he wasn't a superstar. Right, so, but he also he, wasn't a facilitator right. either. Well, well, he wasn't. You're right. But I think that you can kind of get that ball movement in other areas. So I think CJ McCollum is still on the table for me. I Obviously, Dame 100%, but everybody's overlooking CJ, I think, just because he's not Dame. I, I agree. I agree that. And, and what's intriguing to me is putting CJ McCollum in a – offense that does not have another guard that is a scoring dominant player like Dame Lillard is his only other person that's a forward or a guard in this offense that he would have a threat to score more than it'd be Tobias Harris but even him I don't think he'd hold a candle to what CJ McCollum could do in this uh, offense from a scoring perspective but you put him with uh, Joel Embiid 
man, you want to talk about spacing? You talk about putting him maybe with Seth Curry, the spacing that could exist on that basketball floor? Yeah, that is very intriguing, which is why, again, Tony, I'm not shooting it down. I'm having a conversation, though. No, I like it. I like it because we have to, we, we have to think about it. I, I just think that for us to be blindsided here and say nothing's nothing's up for grabs, you know, we're not trading Matisse, we're not trading Tyrese Maxey. Listen, the, the whole point of this direction is we have a two- to three-window, in my opinion, with Joel Embiid in his prime. We yeah. need to take right. We need to take yeah. it now. That's the priority, right? So as long as I love, I'm with you. Love Tyrese Maxey, but if he can get me Dame Lillard, if he can get me Zach Levine, if he can get me CJ McCollum, I'm having that conversation, and it's getting done because we need to win now. I can't wait for that point to where Tyrese Maxey becomes somebody who he may we may not think he is. Maybe right. we're overexposing Tyrese Maxey. I don't know, but I need a developed player now on this team. I'm with you, thousand percent. The, the number one priority of this team right now is not wasting Joel Embiid. It, I, I like that. I like that. Now, swinging gears a little bit because last, last time I had before I get you out of here is I want to talk a little Eagles, and the reason why is because I've been on I, 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 plenty of shows. I do a lot of fantasy work, and every time I'm on Sirius or every time I'm on X, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, I consistently get asked about Miles Sanders because I'm a Philly guy. What do we expect from Miles Sanders? What do you think about Miles Sanders? And and I think that, you know, obviously he hasn't had a great run the last two years, but I think there was a lot of there was a lot of interesting things behind that, right? Whether it be oh, yeah. injuries, the offense, we all know about that. So, Offensive line to play calling a Doug Peterson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a there's a lot there, right? There's a lot there. But I'm looking at from a fantasy perspective, this guy's getting drafted, ranked 15th to 17th. Now, fantasy aside, talking about real football on this team with this line finally coming back. Now, I know there's still some question marks, sure. but what is your in your ideal touch percentage for Miles Sanders? Is it over or under 20 per game? And that's catches and carries. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, as far as touches per game, yeah, yeah I, I want him having twenty-five touches per game. I mean, I'm talking about a guy that yep. should be, uh, you know, getting about seventeen runs and you know somewhere around, I would say, ten carries, eleven, twelve carries, something like that. That's what I would like to see him at, at per game because he's always one of those threats that can break one open. And I think I think about the game against Buffalo this past year where you weren't getting a lot on the ground. Yeah, you're stuck with it a little bit. And the next thing you know, Miles Sanders broke one. Yeah. I'm talking about a game from two years ago, I believe it was, with Lane Johnson literally yelling at the sideline for Doug Peterson to run the football against the Giants. Let's keep that going. It's working. And what do they do? They stuck with it, and it started working. Miles Sanders, I legit feel, is one of the most talented running backs in the entire NFL. Here's an idea. Use him. You always talk about running running backs into the ground. Do it, whether it's running yep. the football or whether it's catching the ball out of the backfield for a couple of reasons. One, you want to help out your offensive line. You want to get rid of the ball quick, which also helps out your your, your quarterback. The other is even if you're not a run happy offense, you're still bringing in the, uh, the, the, the linebackers. You're still bringing in the secondary to be aware of the run. And then you have guys like Jalen Rager and you have a guy like Devontae Smith, two guys that are pretty damn fast that you can hit over the top once you suck that defense in. So for me, Use it, abuse it, make sure you have his talent out there on display because I do believe he's one of the most talented running backs in all the league. I'm with you 100%. I, I don't understand why he's dropping so much. I think people just aren't looking at the entire picture. You're looking at a guy who backed up Saquon Barkley, doesn't have a lot of wear on his legs, right? He, he hasn't even played a full season yet. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and if you watch his Instagram videos, and I, I know I hate, but his workouts are phenomenal, man. Yeah. They really are. This, this yeah. kid's legit. He's strong. The only question I, I have is, or I should say a lot of people have, and I'm, I'm sold, but they look at Sirianni and they say what he's done in Indianapolis with kind of like a three-headed monster. You know, with, you know, with, with Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, uh, Jordan Wilkins, Marlon Mack. I mean, the names go on and on and on. And I know they drafted Gainwell to be that second guy. But I still don't think, Mark, that that's going to take away from what Miles Sanders has. I still think Miles Sanders will get 20-plus touches per game and still be the back that I think me and you think he will. Yeah, I, I think a lot of this is like if you ask somebody to judge Nick Sirianni already, which I know has been in the news recently as well, say that he doesn't have the locker room. When everyone I've talked to in the Eagles locker room certainly seems like he has the locker room. But when it comes to judging Nick Sirianni as a head coach, a lot of people say, I'm bowing out. I'm bowing out. I'm not, I don't know anything about his play calling. I don't know anything about his coaching style. I don't know anything about a system. I'm bowing out. Until we see him call plays, until we see how he is in the heat of the moment, until we see how he puts a game plan together, 
it's hard to say how much Miles Sanders is going to get used. It's hard to say how Jalen Rager is going to get used, how Devontae Smith's going to get used, how Dallas Goddard's going to get used. Even the type of quarterback that Jalen Hurts is going to be, it's hard to make that assessment or make that assertion without seeing Nick Sirianni even call a play yet in the NFL, let alone de uh, design a play, as a matter of fact. That's true. That's true. Last thing I will say is I think this is going to be a very exciting team. Uh, and they're going to lose a lot of games. I get it, but I think they're going to be a very exciting team on the offensive side of the ball because I think they, you know, it's a it's a new coach, like you said, new system. So early on, people aren't going to be able to adjust right away, right? Maybe first four to five or six games, it's like okay, they look really good. Then they'll probably hit a low a little bit, and that's where Sirianni will show can he coach, can he make the adjustment and play a chess match against the other coaches. Now, last thing I want to say before I get out of here because your time is precious, and I appreciate. Go ahead. You being I got time for a couple more. Uh, so, well, this is a little fun. I want to get you out a little, little fun. Well, you know, before you say that, let, let me just ask you about LaShawn McCoy. And the reason why I want to talk about LaShawn McCoy is because, you know, we, we I think, underappreciate a guy named Ryan Howard, the big piece, when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, greatly. I don't know why Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins get more luster than Ryan Howard. I'll never believe it. That four-year four run is historical. It'll never be duplicated. But my question to you is, do we under uh, do we underappreciate LaShawn McCoy? And the reason why is because, and I'm not going to take courtesy, uh, credit for this, courtesy of Jeff Carr, CBS Sports, 11,000 rushing yards and 3,800 receiving yards in NFL history. Only a few players have done it. Walter Payton, Frank Gore, LT, Marshall Falk, Marcus Allen, Thurman Thomas, and LaShawn McCoy. Are we overlooking how good he really was, Mark? No, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, okay, overlooking, yes, but there's a very good reason why in Philadelphia that happens. Because we lost focus of LaShawn McCoy because of a big flashing sign named Chip Kelly. Yeah. It's like, it, like our love of LaShawn McCoy while he was here in Philadelphia and all the great things he did, Snow Globe game and all that, our love, what, what was it, 19 touchdowns uh, with, uh, with, in, with Andy Reid when Andy Reid was still here? Yep. Like, we looked at LaShawn McCoy – and love that guy. But the second he was traded, it wasn't, oh, my God, I'm going to miss him so much. It was, what the hell is wrong with Chip Kelly? That son of a you – no, know, that whole – and that just fueled the fire, man. That fanned the flame for how much we hated <laughs> Chip Kelly. So it was like our hate started to grow past the amount of love we had for LaShawn McCoy. And plus the way it ended here with the, the, the uh, racial implications that uh, LaShawn McCoy threw the way of Chip, I think more so took away from what LaShawn McCoy was able to do on the football field and fueled more, again, of the uh, strong dislike we had already for Chip Kelly. And then also you had the whole thing go down with uh, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, it, it was, I think, a lot of what Deshaun should have done in Philly and LaShawn should have done in Philly, overall, unfortunately, uh, was it, it, they, their limelight was taken from them by a coach getting rid of them far too soon. That's a, that's a good explanation. My, and I think LaShawn McCoy is a Hall of Famer, for the record. Yes. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I agree. Now, do you remember who they traded? Remember who that stiff linebacker we <laughs> Mr. C, no me gusta. No me gusta? Yeah, no, I don't like Kiko Alonso. <laughs> Kiko Alonso. And Cuban, for the people that didn't pick up on the Spanish reference. And people were actually okay with that, which I, I, still, I, I still don't understand. They were trying to make the best out of Kiko Alonso. Oh, because they didn't want to. Oh, God forbid Chip Kelly ever make a mistake. And Chip, we trust. Remember that crap? Yeah, yes. Oh, my God. And Chip, we trust. Now, uh, that that's great. Now, let, let, let me get you out of here on this because this will be a little fun because I'm curious. Uh, you know, we, we, we I, I called his fun with Farzee the last few times you have on there. We've talked music. We've talked TV. Now, I want to talk movies because I went. It was hot as hell out, right? You know, my son's like, what do you want to do? I said, let's go to the movies. So I go to Penn Cinema, got my feet reclining, right? Got beautiful thing. Watch that. Not big Gino Toretta guy. Love Fast and the Furious, right? That being said, who would you say is your all-time favorite tough guy when it comes to movie characters? Because there's a lot. Movie characters. Yeah, okay. movie characters. Now, it'd be a, a real-life personality. You can either tell me what his real name is or the name is like a Gino Toretta instead of a Vin Diesel, but whatever you're saying. But just your all-time when it comes to movie characters. All-time movie characters. Okay. Uh, well, first off, let me just say this in full disclosure. I have only seen one Fast and the Furious movie. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it my, it's like... I just know I watched the worst one possible. Oh, uh, uh, like three. What, what's the one with Tokyo Drift? Tokyo Drift. That's Is the that worst three? one. Yes. 
I don't I don't even know why I watched it. I think it was on like HBO or something like that. Oh, terrible. When I was just not feeling well and this was before uh, Netflix. Um yeah, so that's been next on my list in terms of uh franchises. I watched all the all the Marvel movies when I had COVID cuz I was just like just lounged out for a couple days. Um uh the the, the Fast and Furious uh it's tough guys all that oh J- john mcclane uh the uh the uh diehard movies die hard, i always yeah. love and then after that i gotta go with just people um because there was a time where i had seen every john claude Dan- van damme movie Ooh. that was out there so anything he did i watched i just as a kid i loved john claude van damme movies lionheart blood sport my buddy ryan anderson and i his family moved in with my family. They were in between houses for a minute. So, like, they lived with us for a couple months. Every morning, we'd wake up for school, and we'd watch 15 minutes of Bloodsport. Like, while we were eating our cereal, we'd watch Blood. <laughs> we'd be thinking about Kumite as we were on our way to third grade. But anyway, uh, that was uh, Steven Seagal. Uh, yeah. What was it? Casey Ryback? Was that the name of the character from uh, Under Siege? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, he yeah, had that, marked for death. Was a first, right. That was a great movie. Marked Mark for, for death. Marked for death. Uh, 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 above the law. Above the law. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anything Steven Seagal, anything John Claude Van Damme, John McClane, obviously from the Die Hard movies. And then I'm trying to think if there's any other movies that I really, really got into as a kid. Franchise movies, tough guys. That's probably that probably empties the barrel right there to use a tough guy reference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Commando Arnold Schwarzenegger. I forget his name. Yeah. That's like you watch that movie as a kid and you're like, wow, this is great. And then you watch it as an adult and you're like, this is the corniest crap in the history of movies. (laughs) But it was great. I I would still watch that movie today and laugh my ass off. It's a good time. But yeah, I was always a big action movie guy. And those were probably my my norms as a kid. Sylvester Stallone, obviously, is another great one. Um, Demolition Man was one of my favorites. Uh, That was good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably where I settled. Really good, really yeah. good. Adam says Jack Bauer, and the reason why I look at Jack Bauer, I'd say Jack Bauer was invincible. Kiefer Southern was invincible in in twenty four. Like you couldn't, like he had an answer for everything. Like <laughs> if I want anybody to come back to life, as it's going to be Kiefer Sutherland as Mister Jack Bauer, because I can just defeat the world. I, I have no worries. Uh, uh, I have no worries at all. Jack at all. Bauer in twenty four is on my list of. Like when I was just starting out, there was like a 10 year period where I just didn't watch television. Okay. I only really watched sports and I've been trying to catch up on those 10 years that I missed out on. So this is definitely one of those shows. Like I was one of the last people to watch the office and now I love the office. I caught up on that. My wife and I are like watching modern family right now is like our dinner show that we'll just put oh, on. Nice. Having dinner. Uh, catch up. That's great. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I'll have to get, I'll have to watch the fast and the furious movies and then I'll have to watch uh, the, the, the show 24. Yeah, so you got to watch twenty five. I think there's eight seasons too. I think it's, ah, it's and, nothing. That's and they're long too. They're long. They, they, oh, wow. They're really long, man. But they 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 are great, man. Jack Bauer is what is, is a great pull. But Mark, are there are there twenty four episodes? Yes, that yeah. There's twenty four. Oh, so that's so now you're twenty four times eight, man. That's a big number. That's you better set aside. You got to set aside some time for that. Yeah, I don't got any time for that. That's yeah. not happening. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Mark, it's let everybody know. Does he die obviously. in the end? Does he Come die on. in the yeah. end? All right, don't. What? No, no, I'm not. I, I can't spoil it, man. Okay, fair enough. I don't want to spoil it for you because then you're not going to watch it. That's correct. So it's only so I just I just gave you that marketing ploy. Now I got to bring you back and, and just talk about 24. Like it's a way I can get you back here. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> To see your progress, I got to do something here. It's like you know that Jim, I mean? like that Jim Gaffigan bit where he's talking about how uh, he's like, "Do you ever see a movie but see it way too late and then try to talk about it with other people?" Hey, did anybody see Heat recently? That's a great movie. Heat, great movie. Heat. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm going to be at with 24, I guess. Yeah, you're you're, you're going to like it. You're going to get addicted. You'll be on edge of your seat, man. It'll be edge of your seat. I, I guarantee you'll be like, "Wow, Tony was right. This Jack Bauer cat." I, I see why I want to come back as Jack Bauer. Trust me. Yeah. Jigsaw equals Jack Bauer. But, um, <laughs> Mark, tell everybody where they, what we got coming on, man. What, what's, uh, what's coming up? I know you got a lot of stuff going on. We got Allah Abdelnabi joining yeah. us uh, for tomorrow's show. It was great catching up with Allah. Such a great guy. I know you guys had him on not too long ago. Um, he really breaks down everything with Ben Simmons on whether or not this is salvageable with the Sixers organization. Uh, he talks about uh, working with Mark Zumoff for as long as he worked yeah. with Mark Zumoff. Uh, and and kind of how 
he took the news of uh, Mark, uh, uh, you know, just calling it a career. Uh, so we talk a lot about that, uh, as you would expect. And we just kind of catch up with Ala and uh, talk about all the latest going on with the 76ers right now. And that'll be on uh, tomorrow morning show, 6 to 7 live. Uh, that's when our new episode drops. I'm, I'm told that's how I should phrase it from now on. We're, we're, we, we, our new episode, new episode drops every day at 6 a.m., 6 to 7. We do a live show. Then it's available on Twitter or, and YouTube and all that shortly thereafter. So people can... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, not digest. Uh, uh, consume, consume the content. The content. Double C. Like. Double C's. Consume Double content. C's. I like Boom. it. Yeah, throw credible in there too. Give you triple C's. Credible, <laughs> yeah, consume credible content. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. When uh, you look at me, you go, ah, that's guy. That guy's credible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But as always, man, listen, I really appreciate you coming back three times. Three times has been a charm, man. I uh, appreciate my you having pleasure. Me. Just uh, tell, that, us tell, having that, you. <laughs> tell that Googs character, Yo. and, uh, that other, uh, that, that Mark guy, uh, let's get it going again. Well, you, you got a bone to pick with them because they'll, they'll, they'll be back because I'm going to have Mosher on. So they're going to be back for most. So you got to be like, yo, what's going on here? Tell, tell, make sure you, re, you refer to Mosh as his new title, which is a uh, 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 views king or views click king. Clicks King. He got the most views on my show a couple of weeks ago, and now he's rubbing it in all my other guests' faces, basically. Ah, really? Uh, I, I'm writing that down, too. I, like I don't know. It. I think he figured out the algorithm, to be honest with you. You know what? He, he's a very smart guy. He probably did. You know, he, he yes, yes. I caught on to him real fast. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, Mark, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully get you back on when the Eagles start, and uh, we can break down some game talk. Sounds good to me there, Jigsaw. Uh, you uh, say hi to everybody for me, all right? You guys do a great job. Thanks for having me back on. No problem, man. Enjoy the rest of your night. I appreciate it, buddy. Peace. There you go, everybody. Mark Farzetta joining us again for the third time. Listen, I, I have to say something. Um, you know, one way that, and, and I've tried to talk to people over this all the time, you're not going to get anywhere in the radio business or the media business when you're just killing everybody consistently all the time. This guy sucks. This guy's horrible. I don't like his opinion, right? Um, but listen, when you, when you consistently give credible content out there and you're professional, you have guys like Mark Farzetta on. Fantastic, man. I love having Mark on, and, and we'll get him on back again. Everybody checking in, man. Appreciate it. What, what's up, fellas? I mean, listen, I was by myself tonight, so – I'm sorry. Didn't get all the comments. I figured, you know what? Let me, I was going to do hand the show with Mark, hand the show just with myself and with, you know, with, with, with the, uh, the heat ratio family, as always, I'm glad to be back heat ratio live. We will get coach. Dave will be back and, uh, John will be back periodically. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, this is his fancy time. So, uh, Mikey Googs chilling on vacation right now. He'll be back next week. Uh, just so you know, guys, I, I, what I'm going to try to do is, and we're going to have some more heat ratio personalities. My boy Al checking in, Al Griffin, my hardcore heat brother. He'll be on as well. Got to get him on the show. Got to get my boy Chris Exusion on. Chris Ebaum, listen, brand new golf episode right after this at 930, so check it out. Uh, my man Rick Lorenzen checking in. Rick, I know you like the golf, man. Chris is going to bring it at 930, talking about the, the next tournament. Obviously, I'm not a golf guy, so you don't want to hear me talk about golf. But a uh, lot of lot of cool things coming on. Uh, I can tell you right now, big guests coming up. We got uh, Jeff Mosher will be on by the end of the summer and get him with his Eagles insight. Uh, I got Alexa Ross coming on. Uh, she is a Temple alum, beat reporter for the Buffalo Bills and a, a, a sports reporter on the Rochester News. Uh, she holds it down, which is awesome. Uh, I got my boy E-Rock coming on from the 4th and John alumni. My boy Eric, Eric Emanuel, Mr. E-Rock will be on, breaking some Phillies fan talk down with us as well. I'm going to get my boy Gail Saunders on as well from 4th and John. Still killing it right now. So going to try to bring a bunch of different personalities into you guys on this Heat Ratio Live show uh, because, listen, it's going to be about everything. We're just going to talk everything, sports and you name it. So, let me get right to this because I'm going to go about another 20 minutes. So, and and again, because I got a bunch of topics I have to talk to. I want to talk a little bit about Phillies, but like I always do, for everybody listening right now, I usually break things down on something that happened to me during the day, right? I, I usually start off with that. I was going to start off with that with Mark, but I didn't want to put Mark in an awkward situation, right? Because I, I got a little awkward talk here. 
And again, now I'm wearing my glasses right now because unfortunately I have a a braised cornea, which is one of the most painful freaking things in the world. Just got it yesterday. Went to the eye doctor. Not allowed to wear my contacts for the next week, which absolutely sucks. I hate wearing glasses all the time. But long story short, I go in CVS, pick up my prescription. Now, what I will want to say is, as you, in case you didn't know, I, I run my own PR company. I am a marketing guy, right? So I do public relations work. So I, I know a, 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 a bit about marketing here. I used to be a merchandiser as well for her. So I know about making displays and things of that nature. So I want to get the marketing guy on the phone from CVS and just ask, why in God's name does he put the most attractive aisle, right? Anybody know what the most attractive aisle on CVS is? And, and what I mean by attractive, the busiest, the most traffic, right? The most visited aisle on CVS is the line to the pharmacy. And in the CVS I go, it's in an aisle, right? It's in an aisle, right? Big time in an aisle. So it's in an aisle waiting in line to get your prescription, usually like four or five deep every single time. Social distancing, of course, but still a lot of people. Whose idea was it? to make that aisle the sexual pleasures aisle, right? The sexual pleasures aisle. So, like, honestly, you want to talk about an awkward trip every time I go to CVS, right? I got to hear the kid behind me that's grabbing a Trojan box asking mommy, what is this, right? And I, I got to go down the aisle, right? And I got to watch the, you know, the, 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 the couple, you know, that, that are giggly and, and they're funny. They're like, what are we looking at? And we're looking at essential oils and we're looking at lube and stuff. Like, And I'm sitting there trying to get a damn prescription. Like, I don't even want to be in that line. I don't even want to be in that predicament. But now CVS has put me in that situation. I don't want to go in a drive-thru, right? Because if I go in a drive-thru, I'm there for an hour because now we're getting COVID tests, right? We're getting the people who don't understand how to use a card reader. They don't know what their birthday is, who they're picking up for, right? So now you got all that crap, so you don't want to do that. So now I can't even go in the store because now when I go in the store, I got to see awkward conversations, right? I got to see awkward things with awkward people that I don't want to see. So I just want to know who the hell's idea was that? Like, you couldn't put it down the magazine aisle. You couldn't put it down the Band-Aid aisle. No, we're going to put it down the Trojan aisle, right? I mean, what a hell of a marketing ploy, right? Because I don't know, maybe everybody's in there getting their Viagra. So they figure, you know what? Oh, they're going to get their Magnums at the same time. I don't freaking know. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just sitting there and I got to hear this mom behind me explain to her kid about what a Trojan is and what it's really not because she doesn't want to tell a three, uh, you know, a five year old what Trojans are. Right. So now this kid thinks he's buying a freaking balloon. Right. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, like, just get me out of here. I want to get my drops and get out of here. But that's my rant for today. I just think that whoever designed that at my CVS. I'll tell you what, man, they need, they need to really rethink that their policy right there because it, it's not it's not working well. Now, that's my rant for the night. OK, that's my jigsaw's judgment for the night. OK, um, but let me do this, because right now I, I had a really good topic. I'll talk about the All-Star game uh, from last night, the All-Star home run derby. Obviously, All-Star game going on right now. And Pete Alonzo, listen, was unbelievable, right? Unbelievable last night, right? So I have Ross second in this is great. Ross, I can't help it, man. Like, like seriously, I, I don't understand. I, I don't know who the hell thinks of this shit. Really, like uh, the wrong aisle, complete wrong aisle. That should not be down that aisle. It really shouldn't, right? Just really shouldn't. Most awkward thing I've ever seen. So that being said, let's get to some all-star baseball talk. From last night, home run derby, Pete Alonzo wins. Great story from Trey Mancini, right? Guy comes back from cancer, looks phenomenal. Couldn't have been a, a better story written. I love it. I, I thought it was a thrilling experience. Really like it. But I want to talk about what your favorite all-star game or home run derby moment was growing up because there are so many. It really are, right? Whether it be home run derbies, whether it be all-star games. Now, I'm going to go way back. Um, 
<laughs> Ross says, I'm going to CVS out of sea. Ross, tell me if your CVS has that. Seriously, because I know they're all different. Like, I go to one CVS because this is how, listen, I, I don't know what happened. It's been about six months, right? One of my prescriptions got changed with different CVS. So now I, I've never transferred it back to the one where my other prescription is. So now I go to two different ones. Now, the other one I go to, wide open. No big deal. Perfect. Perfect. The other one I go to, sex aisle equals prescriptions. I don't freaking know, man. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I want to know what is your favorite home run derby or all-star game moment? And, and the reason why is because I, I have so many. I do. And I love the home run derby. I, I love it 100%. Now, Adam's second in. Adam's second in. He's saying McGuire shows a home run derby. Absolutely. Uh, 100%, man, 100%. McGuire and Sosa Home Run Derby killed it. Absolutely killed it. Um, Ross says, I don't know, but I'm all the way in Connecticut. Yo, you might be. You might be. Ross, check it out, man. Maybe Connecticut. Maybe Connecticut. Maybe he came from Connecticut. I don't even know. I just I, I just think it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it really. I, I, I Honest to God. I, it just hit me today, man. It just hit me today. So, yeah, check it out, man. Uh, my boy Nick, Nicky Nuts, checking in. <laughs> Nicky Nuts, checking in, says, you're cracking me up. Nick, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, Adam says, Tory Hunter Ross. Oh, yo, Adam with big-time comment coming in. Tory Hunter Ross, Barry Bonds, and a home run in the first inning. I, listen, I remember that, too, man. That was great. Vinny, check. Yo, Vinny, what's up, man? Checking in. Crock versus Randy Johnson. Oh, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Now, I will tell you one of my favorite moments. Now, one of my favorite players, if not the favorite player coming up, is 100% Bo Jackson. And I remember, and I, honestly, I don't even know what year this was, okay? But he let off the All-Star game. Yeah, he was with the Royals, let off the All-Star game with a home run, the straightaway center field, and he hit it off Mr. Rick Russell. So any of my baseball guys, tell me if you remember that. Rick Russell from the San Francisco Giants on the mound, okay, on the mound, up against Bo Jackson. But I think the, the state, it was either, I think it was in Anaheim. I, I think it was in Anaheim, you know, their older stadium when they were the Anaheim Angels, and he ripped it to dead center field off of Rick Russell, one of my favorite moments because I was a Bo Jackson fan. I loved Bo Jackson. Bo no, Burr versus Bo. Bo knows Bo. We know the story. I, I mean, the guy was like a human robot, okay, whether it be on the baseball field or the football field. So that's one of my favorite moments, obviously. I, I really like that. Um, I'm not a huge all-star game guy. I, I just think that there's not enough to keep me excited, to be honest with you. Um, never was. I was always a home run derby guy. Um, another, uh, there you go. Adam, Adam's got them all. I like this. Adam, 2007 Ichiro inside the park home run. And speaking of Ichiro, I mean, Shayotani, let me tell you something. The, the game is in good hands. I don't care that he lost last night. But one thing's for sure if you see, I have not seen. Must see TV in Major League Baseball like this since Barry Bonds. And you say what you want about Barry Bonds, okay? I don't want to get into a steroid talk, but when Barry Bonds came up, people stopped, right? When Barry Bonds came up, Sports Center went to Barry Bonds, okay? They went to the live feed. Okay, so I have not seen anything like I seen last night since Barry Bonds. And I'll tell you what, man. I ain't going to tell you something. I mean, I, I am a huge Barry Bonds fan. Always be a Barry Bonds fan. I don't care what he did, what he didn't do. I, I don't give a shit. All I can tell you right now is that I've never been so excited to watch a baseball player before in my life. And to be able to follow him from the, the Pirates to the Giants and, and watch all that history, whether you like it or not, it was it was fantastic. Now, Vinny checking in with a good one. I forgot about this one, Vinny, and I'm glad you just brought this up. Josh Hamilton and Bobby Abreu going crazy in a home run derby. Bobby Abreu, the home run derby was in what it was in Detroit, right? It was in Detroit, and who would have thought Bobby Abreu would have been that guy? Technically, it was almost like the Trey Mancini story from last night because nobody expected Bobby Abreu. And that's the thing about the home run derby. The thing about the home run derby is it's all about your swing. Like, it's all about your swing. It's all about you know who you're perfecting. 
right? Or, or, you know, it, what, or who you're perfected. It all depends about what your perfected swing is. And why I say that is, doesn't need to be full of power. You just have to make good contact. And it definitely has to do with your pitcher. Some of those pitchers last night were horrific. Were horrific. They didn't give the guy a chance at all. I think Otani's pitcher sucked. I really do. I think his pitcher sucked. I, I You know, Otani, listen, I understand where Otani wanted the ball. But if you're a baseball guy and you understand when he hit those eight, nine first line drives, when he hit them really, really hard, right there, you should have known that he was getting on top of the ball, which means you had to get it up because he needed to get under the ball. So you need to help him out. And this pitcher was not helping him out. And when he finally would throw balls where he could get under, they were gone, right? So Adam says Reggie Jackson hits 520 feet off, yo, off the light tower. Off the light tower. I mean, listen, that's a good one. You, you could talk about Giancarlo Stanton and Adam Judge, it, it, you know, or, or, or and Aaron Judge in, in Miami, right? That was another unbelievable home run derby. Unbelievable. Miami is, that ballpark is huge. And they were killing it, killing it. Adam says Calvert and Jr. wins All-Star MVP in 2001. Another great moment. Another great moment. So this all comes to me, right? This all comes to me on the on the heels of obviously the all-star game happening right now, but from a local standpoint, all right, the Phillies sitting at 500 with the NLE stuff for grabs, right? Unfortunately, rest up, young man, Ronald Acuna Jr. I hate to say it. Hate to say it, man. That injury, I hate it. I hate it. One of the best young ambassadors of the game, man. No matter what you say, the game is in good hands right now with these young guys. I I was just on today uh, on live on, on the Gambler, Fox Sports the Gambler, uh, with Sean Brakes on the Daily Ticket, and we were talking about how the game is in good hands with these young players, right? So, uh, you know, Acuna, just a devastating injury, but you have to look at it from a Philly standpoint, right? And the Philly standpoint is it, it gives them the driver's seat. Honestly, I'm not so on the Mets, man. Not sold on the Mets at all. The Mets are a very underdeveloped team, in my in my opinion. They're overrated and underdeveloped. And what I mean by that is they're definitely not playing up to expectations. Even though they're in first place, it doesn't matter. They're, 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 listen, they, they are not as good as you may think. So I think the Phillies are one or two moves away from winning this division and trying to make some noise in the playoffs. Now, Obviously, there's two wild cards this year, so anything can happen. And But the wild card is not going to be the way in the NL East for you to get in the playoffs. You're either winning the NL East or you're not, right? So that means you're either going to go ahead in the playoffs or you're going to go set home and eat popcorn. Up to you what you want to do. Now, Dave Dombrowski has done this in the past for the Boston Red Sox, right? He has done this in the past. So he has always made deadline moves. He's not afraid to trade away young talent. And the reason why I'm talking about this, because I wouldn't know. Do you go all in and become buyers at the trade deadline? Is you know, is that what you do? Do you go all in? Is anybody untouchable? Is Mick Abel untouchable? Is Bryson Stott untouchable? Is Alec Bohm untouchable? Listen, if, if a team just all out of Chicago Cubs is the easy target, right? Because we know right now that they're waving the white flag and they already know they're not going to compete, you know, thankfully for, for the Phillies because, they're, you know, once the Phillies went out there and won in Wrigley, they went on a, a downturn of 12 out of 13 games after being in first place. So, the Phillies have kind of set this team up to be able to start the deal. And they got guys like Chris Bryant, who I absolutely love. I love Chris Bryant. And Craig Kimball, okay, Craig Kimball has been unbelievable this year. I cannot believe how good Kimball has been. I can't. And if you know one thing on this Phillies team is you need a closer. You desperately need a closer, and he would be under control for at least another year. And he's going to cost you 20-plus million, right? He, I get it. I understand. But you know what? If you want to win, your, your farm system is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You cannot trust that you're going to be able to get a guy that come up and close games. So I know right now, right now, that the Phillies are this one or two moves away from winning the NL East. Okay? That listen, they absolutely are. If you they've lost 22 games. 22 games because of the bullpen this year. 22. So let me ask you something. 
22 games. If you have a closer and you have a bullpen, you at least win 11 of them. At least. And now you have 55 wins. So this is what I'm talking about. So 100%, the move to me is absolutely to go down and get a closer. Is it Kimbrell? I, I, listen, he's the best in the game. It, you know, he's the best in the game. For me, nobody is untouchable. Nobody. 100%. Nobody's untouchable. Now, Al says, as bad as things have been, we can still, exactly. We can still make the playoffs, right? I get it. But the problem is, we, we, we have to stop buying into the little bit of a streak that we were on, right? We're, we're still the same 500 team. That's my issue. And I think that we have an opportunity right now to finally get off the snide, so to speak, to put our bullpen in good hands because Joe Girardi, when he had a lockdown bullpen, is when he was successful. Okay, obviously, when you get to hand the ball over Mariano Rivera, to, obviously the MLB Hall of Famer, it's very easy to manage a bullpen, right? Very, very easy. But, you know, we don't have that right now. Vinny says, I think you go out there and get Chris Bryant in a relief. Yes. Listen, Vinny, I, I, I'm all in. I'm going, to the, I'm going right to the calls and saying, yo, I want Bryant and Kimbrough. What's the price? And if they come back to me, and, and, right. If they come back to me and they say, you know what? We want bone and we want stock or we want bone. I'm in. Give it to them. Give it to them. I, I, we have seen too many players, right? Too many players we've guessed on, right? We've guessed on. We, we, we said these guys are going to be the next coming. A la two guys, Dominic Brown and Michael Taylor. We said we're absolutely untouchable. Back in the day, we will never give these guys up. And where are they now? What are they doing now? Right? So I'm sorry that I'm not putting all my faith into a farm system that doesn't breed players. Not doing it. I'm just not doing it. So for me, I'm 100%. I'm going all in. I am 100% going all in. Now, that being said, we got about eight minutes left. Number one. I love this, man. I love this. I, I, I'm, I'm, lo I'm glad to be back. Can't wait to get everybody back and flowing. This is fun. Um, but I, I want to touch on this one more time because I talked to, uh, you know, I, I want, I want, I talked to Mark about this, and we, because I want to get his opinion on if Lashawn McCoy is underappreciated, right? I, I, I want to get his opinion on this because my whole thing about Lashawn McCoy is the question. The reason why I ask is I want to talk about the other players that are in this list and how unbelievable they really are. Now, if you guys weren't paying attention, it, maybe you join later, okay? There's only certain players in the history of the NFL, okay, that have 11,000-plus rushing yards and 3,800-plus receiving yards, okay? That's it. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and Shady is one of them. There's six more. There's six more. So, again, I don't know if you guys were listening earlier, but I'll refresh who these guys were. Is Walter Payton, Sweetness, Frank Gore. <laughs> wow. Hey, you know, hats off to Frank Gore. LT LaDainian Tomlinson, who was an absolute stud, obviously. Marshall Falk, great show on turf. Marcus Allen. And a guy that probably doesn't get appreciated enough just like LaShawn Thurman Thomas. Everybody, I never hear Thurman Thomas mentioned. Never. And I can't wait to get Alexa Ross on from Buffalo, who covers the Buffalo Bills, and talk to me about some Thurman Thomas because I'm sure she has a thing or two to talk about with Thurman Thomas, who was one of those guys, again, that did it all. Right? He did it all for the Buffalo Bills. And I think we forget about that, maybe because the Bills lost so many playoff games, right? And Super Bowl games, right? But at the end of the day, Thurman Thomas was before his time, man. And I think he gets kind of jumbled up, right? You know, inside of all the other greatness that was around him at that time, right? Like Emmett Smith and, and, and names like that. So, but, you know, LaShawn McCoy, I just, you know, you it, it brings you back to that Chip Kelly era, right? And I, I got to tell you, man, like I, you know, I, I think about that. I, I'll listen. I'll never go back and say I would never do it. You had to do it. You just, you, you just had to do it. You, you were at a point in, in Philadelphia Eagles 
you know, in their history, right? But you were at a point present day, that time, that you needed to change, right? And you knew that, you know, Jeffrey Lurie was a guy who kept everything close to the chest. He was a family guy. He didn't take risks. He didn't take chances, right? He, you know, he went from a family guy in Andy Reid, and he decided 100% he was going to go all in, okay, go against his gut and bring this guy, this innovator, right? This, this innovator of offense in, in Chip Kelly. And for one half of football, he looked like a genius, right? We, we all remember it. We all remember it like it was yesterday. For one half of football, Chip Kelly and, and, and everybody surrounding in that organization looked like a complete genius. And then the wheels just fell off after that, right? The crazy trades with Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, re-release. And then you got the trade of Sean McCoy to get, like, nothing back in return. The signing of DeMarco Murray. There's so many things to, to, to completely forget when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles under Chip Kelly. Now, one thing I will say is that's a pretty good players drafted by Chip Kelly. And I don't care, you can say whatever you want, that Lane Johnson was a no-brainer. Nothing in the draft in the NFL is a no-brainer. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, thankfully from Chip Kelly, you had guys like Zach Ertz and Lane Johnson. They were Chip Kelly guys. So one thing I could say is at least he gave us a couple guys out of that. And again, I always remember the whole Yo Philly thing. You know, what he, he showed up the wing ball. You already knew he was awkward at that moment. He showed up the wing ball, had no idea what he was saying, had no idea what he was doing. And the best thing Chip Kelly gives us is Yo Philly. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, come on, Chip. Come on. You, you got to do better than that. You absolutely got to do better than that. Uh, but listen. One thing I would say is I, I for one, underappreciated Shady McCoy. I did. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, for some reason, I, you know, I never realized how good he really was until I went back and I rewatched. Now, again, I don't know if that was because my mind was focused somewhere else because I was a Chip Kelly guy. I thought Chip was going to be the next coming of. Okay. So maybe I, I wasn't in, in Chip We Trust kind of guy but you know I, I i i gravitated towards his opinion on things because he was so successful in oregon right he was so successful so i thought you know what you, you see guys right now and guys like mcveigh coming in right and kingsbury right and you see that they're they're successful they they do good because they're innovators and i thought that's what chip kelly was going to be and unfortunately he wasn't but that's neither here nor there and now we have mr nick sirianni and one thing i will say well, that's okay. I'm going to get out of here in about five minutes because we, we, we got the golf show. Well, my man, Chris Ebom coming up, right? So we we, we got to get to there. We got to get to my man Ebom talking all things when it comes to PGA and betting. Okay, but last thing I'm going to say is I know today there was some, some talk came out in the media about, you know, hey, not everybody is sold on Nick Sariani. Not all the players are sold that, you know, on Sirianni is being a leader of a football team. I'm going to give you my, 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 my opinion here. And again, it's always, it, I'm telling you right now, if you guys have been following me, uh, as always, you know, it's going to be different. Okay. Now for all the people that want to come out on Twitter and Facebook and call the Eagles or, or the, you know, the, the, the reporters, from certain radio stations, a bunch of click-hungry mongrels, right? You know, the, the guys that they are media mongrels are called, me, media mongrels, right, that, that are sitting there le, le, legitly trying to stir up a fan base to get views and get clicks. Let me just say something, okay? Let me just say this right now. And, and, and I'm not going to say that doesn't happen, right? But just because guys like Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson came out and said, what's your sources, right? And let me teach you something. Let me teach you something. Okay, just because they came out doesn't mean that they're saying nobody said anything. Just maybe, okay, just maybe they're trying to cover their own you-know-what. Just throwing it out there because there was a guy in Joe, San Joe Santa Loquito, 
Okay, they came out with an article on Carson Wentz and every single one of the same people right now that are showing videos, that are throwing tweets out there, that are saying, hey, Philadelphia Eagles, where's your sources? Who's talking now? Or, I, I'm sorry, not Philadelphia. Hey, WIP, where's your sources? Okay, hey, Philly Media, where's your sources, right? They're all throwing it. They're the same people that were telling me and everybody else that Carson Wentz story was false. Well, guess what? You were all wrong because it was true. It was true. That story was true, and Joe went through hell because he posted it. And half of the reason he went through hell is because half of the people on Twitter that have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, listen, I know it's fun, and we all have a voice. I get it. That's what's great about social media. Everybody has a voice. I completely understand that. But I, all I beg of you, is instead of jumping to conclusions, okay, instead of just right away saying everybody's wrong and everybody's looking for clickbaits, do me a favor and look in the mirror because I guarantee, just like the great uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, has said, guarantee, I guarantee that every single one of you at one time posted something or said something because you wanted a click. I guarantee it. So these are all hypocrites. Say what you want, but these are all hypocrites in my opinion. Because what you're doing is the same exact thing you're accusing other outlets of doing. All I'm saying is look at it both ways. All I'm asking of you. Okay? Look at fine. You can look at it a way that you say they're trying to get clicks. That's cool. Look at the other way, too, where it says maybe these players are coming out only because they don't want to be labeled. Maybe they're coming out because they're saying, oh, you know what? Crap. I, I I better throw this out there because we don't want them to think that we have somebody in the locker room that doesn't believe in our coach, right? Because what they should be doing, right, is they should be lining up all those players and holding them accountable as leaders on that team, not coming out to social media and say, hey, where's your – so come on, man. That's childish. It's childish, man. Listen, I could say one thing. You could say whatever you want, Okay. All I'm saying is I expect you to take both sides. That's my that, that, Listen, that's my spiel for tonight. Do both sides because if you don't, you're being hypocritical because I guarantee you that half the stuff that you've put out in another lifetime absolutely was there to get clicks and get people riled up. It's the name of the game, man. Content is king. I get it. Content is king. But at the end of the day, I think you really need to check yourself once in a while before you come out and say some of the things that you do. That's not for anybody in particular. That's for everybody. I, you know, I, I, that's myself as well, right? And that's for everybody. I'm just saying that I think you really need to look at the entire system and say, you know what? Or I should say the entire landscape and say, I can see his point. I can see his point. You know what? I'll pick a side from there. All I'm saying. But as always, listen, man, Trevor checking in at the end. What's up, Trev? Uh, checking in. As always, when I went about an hour. I want to thank Mark Farzetta uh, at the Farzetta Show. As always, check him out. Uh, fantastic follow. Fantastic show from 6 to 7. As for us at Heat Ratio Sports, again, at Heat Ratio Sports, give us a follow, man. Simple as that. I forgot this the whole time. I still have. I should say we. I'm sorry, we. We still have prize packs to give away. I, I was given 15 of them from Yingling. Okay, so many. I still have some of my, you know, in my studio right now. So do me a favor. If you want a free Yingling beer prize pack for the Philadelphia Phillies, all you need to do is subscribe. You're going to get a hat. You're going to get a T-shirt. You're going to get a baseball. You're going to get a beer glass. You're going to get a six-pack of vintage cans of beer and you're going to get a nice picture of Aaron Nola as well a really nice package for our for a courtesy of our uh our friends out there at yingling so all you need to do is subscribe to the youtube channel for automatic entry and we'll pick from names and we'll ship them out to you um it, it, it's been fantastic for them to be able to do that as well again as always check out our our sponsors of this show um again follow our sponsors prime roofing uh, you know if you need a quote if you need any information prime is the place to go blue flame hvac uh, you know listen it is the summertime right now you know anything you want to even if you want to check up coming up for your heater give them a call uh they will be there when you need to tell them jigs all sent you uh but as always man listen i want to appreciate everything man uh adam's great show thanks brother Glad to have you back. I'm back, man. I am back. Got lined up. Need to take care of some things. Uh, we're continuing down on the same 
pants, man. We got a lot of big things planned uh, for Heat Ratio Sports, uh, as always, man. We got a couple shows in the, in the works right now, working on a couple things. But for now, you're going to find me, myself, Jigsaw, here every Tuesday night, Heat Ratio Live. Like I told you, we got a bunch of guests coming up. Going to be some fun stuff. Uh, give me a follow, as always, at Tikatola23. Also, follow me on the weekends. Saturday and Sunday, if you're a fantasy guy, if you like fantasy football, join me every Saturday and Sunday at Win Daily Sports. Check us out. And again, uh, Ross, my man, great show. Ross, as always, my man, thank you uh, for, for for joining in and your commentary. I'm sorry I didn't get to read your comments earlier. I, you know, when I have the guests on, I get about 30 minutes, so I want to make sure that I get everything I need. Um, get back. Get back to you with this. Yeah. Let, yo, next week, Ross, I want to know all about CVS. Let me know if the pleasure aisle is with the prescriptions for CVS. Cause I'm, I'm, I am so sure that there's not just my CVS. If not, that dude who's running that CVS, he's got a problem. Uh, he really needs to check himself. Uh, but as always, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook. Uh, check us out. As always, check out all the shows, man. We got a, a, a ton of great content coming out. The Fire and Ice guys are killing it right now. Uh, we, we guess that they're coming on. Uh, honest to God, uh, they've been amazing. Just had Al Morgani come on. Chris Peters, Jim Jackson. The list goes on and on. They're looking at Chris Terrian coming up. Uh, you know, we you know, listen, half-court heat. You know, we're taking a little break. We'll be back probably right after whoever wins, which I think will be the Phoenix Suns. We'll do a little episode, a little recap. Me, Al, and Andre, as always. Uh, unbelievable. We had Joe Richard. We had Al Abdelnabi, right? Unbelievable. We always got people coming on the show, which is amazing. And like I told you, I got my boy E-Rock. I got Alexa Ross. I got Jeff Mosher lined up for the next few shows. It's going to be fun. But like I always say, man, the best thing is stay safe and stay healthy, man. Give us a follow. Give us a subscription. And hold on right here for in three minutes. We will be live again on YouTube. We're, we're talking golf with my man, Chris Exusion, uh, getting your bets ready, getting those tickets ready. So as always, so everybody stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll catch you next week.